Well, we are in the middle of this series, this journey, this conversation, as we are looking at the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is just one of these topics that it can be uplifting and encouraging and strengthening, but confusing, um, controversial at times. Because it's just, it, there's this mystery, it seems, that is behind the Spirit. The Father, we can get that picture, right? We understand that picture. We, we understand the image of the Son, and we can relate to that. But the Spirit, and I think that word Spirit is the one that probably trips us up because we can't relate to that, right? But it is through the Spirit that dwells within us, that gives us the power and the resources and the supernatural abilities to accomplish God's mission that he has all of us on and us as a church. We cannot do this life individually and as a church without the presence of the Spirit. And we kind of talked a little bit about that last week that a lot of times we get in that, that mode of just work, 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 you know, row and row and row that boat. And we just try to do everything on our own. And, we, do, and we, do, we try to work it out all on our own. And we usually we find ourselves tired, exhausted, weary. And if we do stop that rowing, then we start to drift, right? But as we learned last week, we need to allow the wind of the Spirit to have an impact in our life. To, to allow us to thrive throughout this life. And it's through the empowering the Spirit that allows us to, to have a life that God, uh, that God has designed and has a desire for us to experience here. The Spirit isn't just getting us, um, sealing our salvation and, and getting us into uh, God's kingdom, but it's about thriving. It's not just about surviving here, but it's about thriving. And as I studied and reflected on the passage that we're going to be looking at here today, I couldn't help but think, doesn't it seem to you that our entire society has just been ransacked by a hurricane of sin? We're in hurricane season, right? Um, not for us, but places around the world, this is hurricane season. And you hear it on the news, the damage that these hurricanes do, how they just ravage through, um, through houses and, and through areas around this world. And, and you can see the destruction that it leaves in its trail. And the, things, the same thing is for sin, that we are just being ransacked and, and destroyed and torn down by this hurricane of sin. You don't believe me, but if you just look at the studies, suicide is at an all-time high. This epidemic of opiates that are just, and we, ex we understand that here in BC, just, uh, just this epidemic that we're in with op opiates, that it's soaring, that ODs are soaring. The loneliest segment of our generation seems to be the millennials. This is the era of time where relationship and community should be uh, being discovered in their lives. And it's not. Anxiety, depression are soaring. And in the midst of all of this, it's God's solution. 
And God's solution in the midst of all this is the Holy Spirit-empowered church. See, his purpose has always been that the church, under the direction of the Spirit, under the direction of the Spirit, will provide a haven for the hurting, a safe place for people to come in out of the storm. And that, as you know, since I've been here, that has been my vision. That's been my desire for us here at First Baptist. Just that, that we would be a refuge, that we would provide a safe haven for the hurting, for the marginalized, for the people that need healing, the people that need to be restored or renewed in their life, that this place, people will know that they can flood to and, and, and come and know that they will have people standing with them during their journey. But the way we become that church is by allowing the Spirit to empower us, by allowing the Spirit to lead us. And according to his plan, we all have responsibilities. We all have responsibilities. And when we are all working and engaging in our own unique responsibilities, help is provided. We can become that church that God desires us to become. Behind it all is the spirit. And we would expect nothing less, right? After all, isn't he the unfailing friend of humanity? Isn't he our comforter? He's the anointing oil. He's the security of our salvation. He's the wind beneath our wings. We should not be surprised, people, that that he would equip and commission his church to be a triage of support to this anxious and troubled world that we find ourselves living in. And he does this through the distribution of spiritual gifts. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 12. Today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to them. And we're going to be mainly in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then we're going to be also in chapter 14. So if you want to put a finger in 14. But we're going to be in chapter 12 for most of our time here today. And Paul says this in verse 7. He says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So something wonderful happened on the day of your conversion. Did you know that? And it actually continues to happen these days of discipleship. And that is the ultimate gift giver is garnishing you, you with the supernatural abilities that glorify God, that bless the needy and edify the church. Would it not be a tragedy of the highest order to lead and to live an entire Christian life and be unaware of the gift giving. And you know what? I think some of you can resonate to that. Some of you, as you are listening, you're thinking, you know what, Bill? I don't even know what my gifts are. Well, I'm hoping by the end of this, you have an idea of how to figure that out. And this was the opinion of Paul. And for that reason, he wants us to be sure that we understand the provider of gifts. He says this in verse 11 of chapter 12. All these, these gifts are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So through that verse, we find that the spirit is the provider of gifts. The Holy Spirit is the provider of our 
spiritual gifts. Here's the one that determines. He's the one who determines who receives what. And here is what Paul is saying. Verse 1 of chapter 12. And then after that, we will head down to verse 4. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Paul, we know, didn't mince words. Sometimes I try to be comforting and and encouraging. I'm definitely not a Paul, but today I might be. And really what I'm saying is, people, do not be ignorant in this. Don't be ignorant of this. Paul continues on, verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So there's three phrases I believe deserve our attention in that passage. The first one is diversities of gifts. Diversity of gifts. The second one is differences of ministries. And the third one is the diversities of activities or effects. So the diversity of gifts, it it refers to the unique gift mix that you actually do have. You do have this gift mix and Paul is saying, don't be ignorant about that. Be aware. Figure that out. Ask, ask the Lord, what are these gifts that you've given me? Because here's the thing. You are unlike anyone else. God determined beforehand which gifts you should and will receive. And we're going to look at a, at a list of these gifts found in chapter 14. And what gifts you actually have, it separates you from other Christians. And where your gifts are applied does the exact same. And Paul makes that point. In verse 5, there are differences of ministries. So for example, this is what he's talking about here. Two people may have the exact same ministry, but it's applied in different areas. There are people that are in the same ministries, but it's applied differently. Example, someone may teach children. There's the gift. There's the ministry. And someone may teach adults. See, same ministry, same gift of teaching, but it's applied in different areas. The same gift, but in different areas. Also, according to verse 6, a different impact. And what matters here is that God is the one in charge of that factor as well. So he's in charge of what gifts you have, where your gifts are applied, and he's also in charge of the wow factor, meaning the impact of your gift. He's in charge of that. So here's the reality in these gifts with the Spirit. He is completely, fully in charge here. Not you, not me. We are not in control of our gifts It is him that is in control and in charge. And these are supernatural abilities that are given to us. Now, the Corinthian church apparently got off track in their understanding of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts were actually, at that point, dividing the church. And sometimes it still does today, doesn't it? 
So there in this church, it was dividing the church. Some of them were showing off, look at the gift I have. I have this special gift, you don't, but look at me. Some were getting jealous. Everyone was definitely confused around this. So Paul, what he tried to do in these passages is he tried to clear things up by providing the most lengthy definition and description of some possible gifts. So we're going to find that there are some possible gifts. He gives us this challenging and sometimes controversial paragraph. Are you ready? Are you ready for this challenging but yet at times controversial paragraph? Well, I hope you are. We're picking it up. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, did you see that phrase over and over and over again regarding the same Spirit? the Spirit, over and over again. Remember, he is the one who is distributing what, what the, this is called in the Greek, charis. Charis, or sometimes you might find it as charismata. These are gifts, charis. And in the purest sense of the gift, it's exactly that. It's a gift. Think about the gifts that you get. You do not earn it. You do not solicit it. Well, maybe sometimes we solicit certain gifts, right? It was bestowed upon you according to the sovereign plan of the Spirit. It is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't decide which gift you want. Now, as we study this list, I want to encourage you to keep a few things in mind. No gift list is complete. No gift list are complete. There are several gift lists found in the New Testament. You can find one in Romans, uh, Ephesians, and here in 1 Corinthians. No list is complete. And, when we be- and we believe that because if one gift list was intended to be complete, then the other churches would have missed out. Think about that. The letters to those other churches, they would have missed out. These lists that, we're going- that are found in Scripture are samplings of what the Holy Spirit does. So these aren't complete lists. Also, not all gifts are given at the moment of conversion. Did you know that? Not all your gifts were given at the moment of conversion. I believe this because of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. He says, follow the way of love, and listen to this, and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. He's speaking there to Christians who already have some gifts, and he's saying this, essentially in that verse, he's he's saying this, live in such a way that you walk in step with the Spirit and eagerly desire more gifts so that you can edify the church. Also, 
natural strengths and spiritual gifts are actually not the same thing. And sometimes we, we're confused in that, right? Our natural strengths and our spiritual gifts are actually not the same thing. Your natural strengths, think about it this way, your natural strengths exist to advance your cause. Your cause. Spiritual gifts are given by God to advance his cause, to edify and build up his church. See the difference there? Now, can those two kind of work together? Yeah, they can, but they're not the same thing. What's important is this. Spiritual gifts exist to exalt Christ and edify the church. These spiritual gifts that he's given to us are not meant to exalt us, are not meant to edify and build us up, but the gifts are given and distributed and are are meant to be used to exalt Christ and build up his church. Do you recall the primary focus of the Holy Spirit? He is there to shed light on Jesus Christ. And he's going to give you gifts that actually exalt Christ, not us, and to edify the church. And here's the thing. As you and I use our gifts, this church here actually gets stronger. But if you neglect your gift, or as I neglect mine, the church is missing something. We're missing something that is part of the sovereign recipe that is written by God for for what is good for First Baptist for this day and age. So we all have this responsibility. We all need to be engaged. We all need to be um, using our gifts because as we do that together, this church gets stronger. And to that end, Paul helps us understand these gifts. Now again, this paragraph is a bit complicated at first reading, but it doesn't have to be. This gift list gives us an example, actually, of all the different types of gifts the Holy Spirit gives. And through that passage I just read from verses 8 to 11, I've categorized them into three different sections. The first one is what I would call discerning gifts. Verse 8, for one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. A word of wisdom is simply an appropriate word at a necessary time. Um, I remember one of my pastors, um, probably both of them, at different separate times individually, when I was getting into ministry, one of the many pieces of advice that they gave me and and words of wisdom that they gave me, one definitely resonated and stayed with me. They said, Bill, do not sacrifice your family for the ministry. They said, do not sacrifice your family for the ministry. Because the reality is this. Um, You can have a poor ministry and have a strong marriage. You can have a strong ministry. A strong ministry usually shows that there's a strong marriage, but you cannot have a strong ministry and a weak marriage. You can't do it. It doesn't exist. If you want a strong ministry, you need to have a strong marriage. And if your marriage is not strong, then don't expect a strong ministry. And they kind of said that. And at that time, it was a word of wisdom. 
It's an appropriate word at a necessary time. And some of you have that spiritual gift to speak a word of wisdom, maybe into your family, into your workplace, into your neighbor's life. See, the thing is, when you sense the prompting inside you, you have to say it. If you have that gift, use it, engage it. it. That is the spirit using you. There's also a word of knowledge. It is information a person would have no way of knowing except by the spirit. On one occasion, Jesus was in a conversation with a woman, and we call this woman the Samaritan woman. Jesus told her not only that she had been married five, that she had married that she'd been married before, but she had been married five times. And the man who she was living with at the current time wasn't actually her husband. Somehow she knew something he had no way of knowing except by the Spirit. Including in these discerning gifts is the one, is also this one found in verse 10, the discerning of spirits. Now, God has given some of you the capacity to sense when evil spirits are present. Some of you just have that capacity. You have that gift. Um, I know people that do, that actually have that gift. And at times they wish they didn't have that gift, right? But it's very important. What we need to understand with all of these gifts on this list, yeah, they might be challenging or complicated or confusing for us to understand, but they are so much they are so important about the, about the totality of us as a church. We need all of us engaging and using these gifts. And I guarantee you, all these gifts that we're going to see here today, it's prob- they're probably in, in this church. It's just that maybe some of us are neglecting them. And we want to be using them. We want to be engaged in them. And there's, so, there's some that have the capacity to sense when evil spirits are present. You might relate to the story from Paul's ministry where the owners of a slave girl were making money from her fortune telling, and he knew that, and he understood that, and he got really annoyed. He turned and he, and he said this to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Hello, right? And some of us have that gift where we can discern and have the capacity to feel and sense evil spirits when they're present. In addition to these discerning gifts, Paul also mentions this, these types of gifts that I've called the dynamic gifts. So if you still have your Bibles, chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians, we're going to pick it up in verse 9. And these gifts are what I would categorize as dynamic gifts. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. Now, some people are just given a gift of faith. And you know those people have a gift of faith. When you hear people say things like this, by faith, we're going to get through this. Or by faith... God does have a plan here. Others have the ability to pray and actually have healings happen. Let your blessings of those be upon people. We need people who can bring gifts of healing here in this ministry of this church. We need that. Don't be shy about it. We need those people to bring and engage those gifts of healing in here. 
Others have the working of miracles. They pray against impossible situations and they see doors open. They pray against hard hearts and they see hearts starting to soften. God is a God who works miracles still today. Some of these gifts we have declared or we fall into the trap that those gifts are no longer relevant or exist today. Wrong. I firmly, I firmly stand against people that say that because God is a God who works miracles. Remember, we find in Scripture that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's true. If we believe that verse, then we need to believe that these gifts that we're confused about, that we think are a little bit out there, still exist today because God is the same God, which means the same Spirit administers the exact same gifts. Those don't change. God is a God who works miracles. He can use us and he wants to use us to accomplish his will. So we have these dynamic gifts of faith and and healing and working out miracles. Then there's this third section, these third type of gifts that I've grouped together called the declarative gifts. The declarative gifts gifts. And again, still in verse 10, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Now we understand when Paul was talking about prophecy, and he has a very clear definition of what a prophet does. Listen to his definition of what a prophet does. It says this in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 14. He says, but he who prophesies, the people that have this gift of prophecy, this is his definition. It says, they speak edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Many times we think of a prophet as one who foretells the future. And really, according to what Paul is saying here, really a prophet is one who foretells good news. When they speak, those that listen actually will be encouraged and comforted. Then there is this, the one that trips everyone up, the speaking of tongues and the manifestation of tongues. Now, church, these, what you need to understand, these gifts are magnificent, wonderful, yet often controversial gifts. They are magnificent gifts. They are wonderful gifts. They are powerful gifts. It helps us to recall that in the New Testament, when it speaks about speaking in tongues, there are actually two types of tongues that are referenced in the New Testament. In one case, there is the supernatural ability to speak in a language that a person has never studied before. It was this gift of speaking spontaneously in a different language that they never studied. Uh, It was that gift that the New Testament church was actually launched on the day of Pentecost. Think about that. Remember back when Peter and the apostles stood up and they began to declare the wonders of God. And according to those that were listening, this is what they said on that time. They said, how is it that we can hear each of us in our own native language. So one manifestation of speaking in tongues is the ability to speak a language, maybe a dialect that we have never studied before, that you have never studied before. 
And through that, this actually bears testimony to God's passion to have the gospel in every single language all over the world. Then there's that second type of tongues that is mentioned. And it's that type of tongues that is referred to by Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. He says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Now this is different than what happened on the day of Pentecost. Because on that day, they spoke to men about God. But there's this miraculous manifestation, this supernatural ability of the Spirit to speak this unknown language. Sometimes we call it a heavenly language. Sometimes it's referred to as the language of the angels. But it's the ability of the Spirit to speak in an unknown language, not to men, but to God. But to God. There is the ability of grace, a charismata, given to certain people to pray in what we often call a heavenly prayer language. And it might surprise you to know that Paul enjoyed this gift. And he actually gives us a peek into his private prayer practice. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting in verse 13. So when you pray in your private prayer language, there's already talking about it, don't hoard the experience for yourself. Pray for the insight and ability to bring others into that intimacy. If I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my mind lies fallow. And all that intelligence is wasted. So what's the solution? And he says the answer is simple enough. Do both. I should be spiritually free and expressive as I pray, but I should also be thoughtful and mindful as I pray. So we find in here that Paul, he enjoyed this supernatural ability to communicate with God. Maybe the Spirit communicated through him to God in a language that was non-discernible. But he did say this, In verse 19, he says, Yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. In other words, he's saying this, this ability to pray in a supernatural language was something that was reserved for him in his personal private prayer time, unless, unless someone who had the ability to interpret that was present. And I get it. The speaking of tongues, I, I, I probably know what some of you are already thinking. Even so, Paul said, I would rather speak with understanding because that's what changes people. That's what touches people's hearts. You know what I would love to do right now? I would love to climb into your mind right now. What are you thinking about all of this? Gifts of healing, um, doing works of miracles, prophesying, speaking in tongues. 
You're probably thinking, crazy, right? Oh, that's different. Or you might think, that's out there. I, I, don't, I can't grasp my mind around that. Some of you might think, you know what? It sounds a bit supernatural. Well, guess what? Exactly. It is supernatural. See, here's the thing. The church is the supernatural expression of God here on earth. Did you know that? That we as the church are the supernatural expression of God here on earth. If you're like this, if you're like me, you're looking at how you were raised in a heritage that was very predictable, right? We knew exactly what God was going to, to do, right? And we even told them what to do. And when I sometimes compare my experiences to what I'm reading here, sometimes, actually, sometimes, and maybe more than sometimes, I feel a disconnect. I feel a disconnect. And there's just something in my spirit that says, Lord, I want to see again what they saw then. I don't want crazy, but I do desire so much more of your spirit. Because we can't figure this out on our own, right? We, we can come up with the greatest programs, people. We can build the nicest sanctuaries. We can hire the best staff, but all of that is straw compared to the dynamic power of one drop of kindness and mercy from the Spirit. And I know these gifts that, we, that I've been listing off, and even some of those ones that you're like, ooh, that's kind of out there. I know there are people in our church that have these gifts. And we need to give them the freedom to be able to be expressive and to use them and to engage those to edify us, to edify the church so we can touch people's hearts and lives. But here's the reality that we face right now. We are losing the battle. We are. And then it's time for God's people to get on their knees and to beg for a revival. For the Lord to have mercy upon us and do again what he did then. It is time for us to call upon the Lord to unify the church and to call down power from heaven. I believe one of the greatest tragedies of this last century was the division of God's church in terms of these supernatural gifts. I just believe that. You don't have to agree with me, but that's what I believe it. I believe it was a mistake for some of us to say, and I know that some of us have said this, these supernatural gifts have stopped. You know, they are no longer relevant today. They died in the first century. They're no longer needed today. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. God doesn't still do now what, doesn't God still do now what he did then? Like, if you can find a verse in all of Scripture, and you find a verse, is there a verse that says God still doesn't still do now what he did then? Is there a verse that you can find? Is there a verse that says only the apostles and the first generation church operate in supernatural capacity? Is there a verse that says that? Because personally for me, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. So why do we still believe and speak that today then? That these supernatural abilities don't exist in our world and in our time. They do. They do. And I believe we are missing out huge. We are missing out. 
by not accepting these supernatural gifts. The big message is this. The Spirit is ready to empower us, and he wants to. Question is, are you? Do you want it? Are you ready for it? The Christian life is not boring, people. It's exciting. It's challenging. It's impossible. But with the Spirit, there's this new version of you that is about to happen, and I'm wondering if you would just be open to it. Let me end by saying to you what Paul said to the church. And it was one of the first verses I said, I I read from, do not be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Do not be ignorant about spiritual gifts. What a tragedy to go through your entire life and say, I don't even know what my gifts are. And maybe some of you are there. Maybe you're thinking, Bill, I don't know what my gifts are. I don't have any. You do. Do not be ignorant. You are not an exception to the rule. As you search this out, as you search this out, try coming at it this way. The first thing I want you to do is this. I want you to ask the Lord about your gifts. If you're not sure, or if you've lived this entire life and said, I don't have any gifts, I don't know what they are, you do have gifts. You just can't be ignorant about them anymore. So your first step is ask the Lord. Ask the Lord about your gifts. Just ask him this week. He has given you something. You, I guarantee that he has given you something. Ask him. And then after you ask him, ask others about your gifts. Those that really know you. This is the process I actually took in a way to see the gifts I had and to, to confirm my calling into ministry. I asked the Lord. I remember asking the Lord when I was traveling Europe. And when I came back and I found that, okay, this is where I wanted to call you in, and, the, and really showing the gifts that I thought, that I don't have those gifts, I started asking other people. So I asked my pastor, and he said, Bill, I've known it for a long time, but I needed you to search it out and find out on your own without me pushing you that way. So I asked one of the first people that I respected. It's like, you know, do I have these gifts? Should I go into ministry? And he said, absolutely you do. Ask those around you what your gifts are. They, they can see. And then after that, ask yourself. Ask yourself. Because here's the thing. God loves you too much to give you a challenge and not the ability to fulfill it. God loves you, church. And we're in... We're in need of a new day, but I believe that day is coming. And we need every person here in this church. And for some of you, for some of you, it's time for you to get up off your chair, up off the bench, and get into the playing field. Like, come on. Come on. Let's do this together. We need to do this together by the empowering presence of the Spirit in our lives individually and us as a church. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us your spirit, and through your spirit, he is the one that distributes these supernatural gifts and abilities. And I pray that we engage these gifts, Lord, that we no longer neglect these gifts, or we, or we think of these gifts as, as weird or crazy or 
different or way out there. Lord, allow us to embrace these gifts, allow us to engage them, allow us, allow us to use them, not for our benefit, not for um, exalting us or building us up, but these gifts are used to build up your church and to edify the church. These gifts are used to exalt you. And for those of us that may not know our gifts, allow us to go through those steps of just asking you what our gifts are, asking those around us that really know us, and then asking ourselves. Lord, because we know that if we ask you, 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 will, you will tell us, because your spirit has given us these gifts to use to advance your gospel and your kingdom. Let us stop being ignorant, and let us start being aware and accepting and receiving the gifts that you've distributed in, in our lives. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.